You've been searching for a podcast that can motivate you, inspire you, and teach you about business and life all at the same time. Well, we've got you covered. This is Beyond the Blueprint with Matt. Whether you're seeking to unlock the secrets of real estate success or seeking guidance in the world of marketing and coaching, you're in the right place, helping to educate and motivate you through real-life experiences with work and life. We'll uncover stories like how a family's homeowning dream turned into their living truth or how a struggling rookie transformed into a top realtor. You'll find there's always a way forward, pushing the boundaries of what's possible. This is Beyond the Blueprint with Matt. And now your host, Matt Sochi. All right. Welcome to Beyond the Blueprint. My name is Matt Sochi. I'm your host today. And I have a good friend with me today, Sal Ibolito. How are you, buddy? Hey, Matt, how's it going? Thanks for having me, man. Besides the weather, you brought Seattle with you. (laughs) Yes, I brought the Pacific Northwest with us, yep. Um, Today, we have an exciting episode. We are actually going to have a conversation with Sal here, who I've known for the last couple of years. Um, I think we met through a Facebook group. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think I met Melissa first, and then she had introduced me to you, and then off and running. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I remember then. Last year, we actually got to meet, and... uh, we got to go to the uh, DeSantis uh, rally, which was a lot of fun, and uh, we got to go to a Neverblades game. Yeah, the the Blades game was a blast. You Can't know. beat that, right? Can never uh, go wrong going to a Neverblades <laughs> ECHL hockey game. That's it. So Sal has a very, very extensive background in hockey, and um, just really excited to hear about your story, and um, just really you know, what you're doing out there, which I think is a really awesome thing, especially with the kids. And, uh, I can relate to that as my son is into, um, roller hockey here in Naples, Florida. So, um, excited to hear about that. So this episode is sponsored by Emerald city floor ball. All right. So very excited. That's, uh, one of South's companies, um, up in the PNW area, which what is PNW? PNW just stands for Pacific Northwest. All right. Is that just uh, Washington or is that no, that really encompasses um, all of Washington, um, Oregon, and really parts of like Idaho and Montana. So uh, mostly identified with Washington and um, Oregon, though. Okay. I, I think in my head sometimes when I see PNW, I'm like Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you, when somebody says PNW, the first thing that people think of is Seattle. But, C, you know, but the PNW encompasses that whole region of the country. Awesome. Well, we're excited to have you here and thank you for taking the time out of your day before you leave to come um, onto the show. So Sal, tell us a little bit about your story, a little bit about yourself um, and uh, how you kind of got started with things and maybe where you grew up and uh, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, uh, I grew up on Long Island, New York and uh, for my Long Island people on Long Island, New York, not in Long Island. (laughs) So uh, yeah, yeah. So, but I grew up on Long Island, New York and, um, I became a hockey fan at a very early age. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to be a New York Islander fan. And for people who don't know the New York Islanders, they had won four Stanley Cups in the early 1980s. And I basically became a hockey fan from that point on, really up up until this very day. What age were you when you kind of gravitate towards hockey and said, this, this is my sport. I love this sport. Um, once they actually won the Stanley Cup, which was, like I said, was really back in 1980, okay. um, I started really becoming a huge hockey fan and 
loved the game and started playing in the street and got more more involved in just being a part of the sport. Yeah, I think you know I'm from Connecticut and a lot of people know that. Um, I still remember going back to my youth. Um, we had a place called Rams Pasture, and every year they still do the Christmas lighting with the tree. Um, when we were up there for my brother's wedding, we actually got to catch a glimpse of it. And uh, they had a pond there. And that's where we used to actually play hockey. And it was a lot of fun as kids, you know, everyone just getting out there. And it's a lot different, obviously, in the world that we live in today, where technology, unfortunately, has taken over life. So being in the sports and stuff like that, I think that's really awesome. So, so Long Island. So how long did you live there for? Um, basically from birth until I was about 30 years old. Okay. And then what happened? Um, I actually moved to South Florida. I, um, I always had a passion for hockey and I wanted to work in the business. So I moved in 1999, like late 1999. And I went to broadcasting school in Fort Lauderdale okay. and I wanted to get into the broadcasting business and, and as a hockey announcer, if you will. So ironically moved out in 1999, um, went to the Connecticut school of broadcasting, ironically. Um, does that is something to do with ESPN? Only because no. I know ESPN is out of Connecticut. No, actually, this place was called the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. They had locations in Connecticut, New York, Florida at the time. So I don't know if they're still in business or not, but I'm pretty sure they are. Um, but yeah, I went to uh, to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and I wanted to get into the business. So that's how um, I wound up in Florida. Okay. Did you go to college or anything? I did not. Okay. No, no. I just went to some community college on Long Island. Um you know, I wasn't really positively sure what I really wanted to do. I just knew that I loved hockey. And that was ingrained in me, like I said, since I was eight or nine years old. I, I think a lot of the kids, at least these days, and mine own too, is they don't know what they want to do. You know, and so it sounds like you took that passion of hockey and you wanted to, to bring it to the, the next level, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and you're right. There's a lot of kids, um, you know. 15, 20, 25 that don't know what they want to do because there's so many options out there, especially today, there's more options than ever. But I always knew hockey was a part of my life. And so, you know, uh, ironically, I had applied for jobs after I went to broadcasting school, didn't get any of them. And then the funniest thing happened, funny story, I'm working at the Home Depot in Coral Springs, Florida, and uh, I'm in the flooring department and a guy comes in and I recognize him. He's the assistant coach at that time of the Florida Panthers. All right. Talk to his wife and go, I played, I played a little coy there. And I'm like, your husband looks awfully familiar. And she's like, yeah, he's a hockey coach. And then uh, she introduced me to him. His name was George Kingston at the time. He was the first head coach of the San Jose Sharks of the NHL back in the early 90s. So she introduced me to George and I, um, we connected and I told him what I was doing. And I'm like, could you connect me with some people with the team? And lo and behold, he did. And about six months later, I got an internship with the team. And that's how I got my first foot in the door. Wow. Awesome. For the Florida Panthers out of all of them, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been to one game, um, great stadium. And I don't know if it was different back then or the same, but um, it was awesome. And I remember taking Jace, I believe it was for his Christmas present. And we stayed at the hotel, I guess, by, and I don't go to malls or anything like that, but by the mall. Sawgrass. Yep. Right. And Cross we, street. Yep. Yep. So we were there and I had no clue, even though I played it off like I did, that the Tampa Bay Lightning was staying there. And I guess that's where the way teams stay at that hotel. So we get there and there's all these stanchions. My brain 
triggers and goes, there's the lightnings here. So we go up to the room, walk around the property a little bit, and all of a sudden, Stamp Co. comes out and point, and Jace is balling, and I didn't really recognize them. You know, I'm not a huge hockey fan. I love the sport. Um, I don't know as much, uh, you know, players and stuff like that. And he, like, starts crying, and I'm like, what's wrong, man? He goes, that's, that's point, and that's coaching. And, and the buses started coming up, and that was such a cool moment. Um, and then we got to go to the stadium, and, man, what a great place. You go out yeah. to the, what, what is it, like, the... Uh, before you get in, there's a lot of vendors out there and, yeah. and great stadium. Uh, just I loved it. Yeah. It's a beautiful stadium. And one of the things I like about that arena in particular, it's really easy to get in and out of like, Oh yeah. It's on the edge of the sawgrass mill. So there's 20, if there's 20,000 people there, you're pretty much in parking's easy. Getting out of that place is easy. But, um, back to Jace real quick, you know, I was Jace 30 years ago, so I used to be blown away when I lived on Long Island, um, yeah, the Nassau Coliseum here, and then right across the parking lot was the hotel where the players stayed. And me and my friends used to go there and track the players down, and I would do the same thing for Yaramir Yager. Oh, my God, this is Yaramir Yager, Brett Hull, Ray Bork. Um, Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, yeah, <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. You know, Wayne Gretzky was one of the very few you can ever get your hands on because he was so popular. They snuck him out the back door. So him and Mario Lemieux, the two greatest players that ever lived, they would sneak out of the back door. So you didn't really get access to them, but you basically got access to every other hockey superstar on the planet at that time. And so I was chased 30 years ago and I would just be so giddy and try to get autographs and what have you not. And so it's, uh, so I can definitely relate to that childhood yeah. where kids see a hockey player today and they're just blown away and just overwhelmed. And I think they're way cooler than football players. The hockey players are pretty cool and you can always tell because they have no teeth. Some of them are missing them. But the hockey players, you know, they were like, hey, waving, shaking hands. We didn't have anything to sign, but um, just really good people, um, which sometimes people might not expect because how rough and physical the sport is, but um, just great people. So you went there. So what was your, his, like, how long were you there for and what would you end up I doing? actually was there from, wow, uh, 2002 to... 2013 i started off as an intern and then um i had applied for jobs within the team that i kept getting passed over but then one year i was simultaneously asked to do two different jobs so i was offered a job with the nhl as an off-ice official and then fox sports florida wanted to hire me as a statistician so my job was to be up in the press box watch the game and give not only the broadcasters but the production trucks downstairs real life stats as they were happening. So I had a headset on just like I do now. Wow. I was talking to the production truck. My um, The talent was basically right to my right. And I would pass over flashcards or um, you know post-it notes with real life stats as they were happening. And then they would basically take that stat and put the graphic on the television for the viewing audience. Wow, how cool is that? One of the best jobs I've ever had. And then you got to meet all the people and go to all the games, right? Not only that, but I got to work for the visiting teams about 85% of the time. So I got to meet so many cool teams and production crews and broadcasters. So I made relationships with quite a few people I still have a little bit of contact with to this very day, like Boston and Washington, D.C., the New Jersey Devils, the Islanders. And so 
it was a lot of fun working for all the different teams because you just got the perspective of the different broadcasters and and what have you not. I'll say the Devils fans, they're they're wild. <clears throat> My roommate, he uh, die hard, Brian Croak. Um, he lives up in Buffalo now, but that was my first playoff game. And I think they were playing the Rangers and that stadium is just wild. And I think that was a tipping point for me. So living in Danbury, I think we had, uh, the triple team, the Mad Hatters, I think mm-hmm. they were called. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, cause we could walk there literally from our house and that was a really good experience. But then going to an NHL game, man, it blows your mind just how different and the energy in there is. So that's yeah. cool. That you got to experience all those, all those things. Yeah. Especially when the Rangers and Devils get together or the Rangers and Islanders get together, you know, there's a, there's quite the rivalry between the fans and, and the teams itself. So yeah, it's, it's pretty intense. And then as you know, you might know a playoff game is just a completely different atmosphere. No matter who's in the playoffs, you can be in Florida and they could be playing New Jersey and there's 20,000 people and the atmosphere is 10 times different than a regular season game. So, and I had the honor of doing some playoff games working for the New Jersey Devils when they played the Panthers way back in 2013. And it's, it's a different animal and so much fun. Oh yeah. Um, I wish there were more people that got involved in hockey. I think the biggest thing is that it's so fast that they can't focus where the puck is. I even me, I'm like, where's the ball? Where's the puck? Where's the puck? Where's the puck? But once you get the concept of everything and how it works, I mean, it makes more sense. Just like, you know, I'm sure during the Super Bowl, there were a lot of people out there like, what's our first down? What's, you know what I mean? But once you understand it and the speed of the game, I mean, it's just incredible. Um, you know, all the things that go on with it. Um, so, now you're in Seattle. Yes. So t- tell me a little bit about what got you from South Florida, you know, doing stuff with the Panthers and then the career with that and then going to Seattle. Um, well, I always had a um, fascination with Seattle only because my uncle um, moved there from Brooklyn to the greater Seattle area back in like the early 1970s. So that's my mom's brother. So, you know, while everybody else was living in New York or Florida, you know, doing a traditional thing, my uncle was kind of like the um, oddball, if you will. And he was living in Seattle. So always had an interest in the Pacific Northwest. And then um, basically what happened was in 1999, um, I met Wendy, who is my spouse, um, met her online, funny thing on AOL of all places. Um, way before, you know, you had any dating apps, way before Match.com and, and what have you not. I always kick myself in the butt, if you will. Like, man, we should have started one of those dating apps and we'd have a house in every corner of the country. But um, <laughs> met her online and um, she was living in Seattle with her brother. And so we just got to talking and then um, she came out to meet me and then I went out to meet her. Lived in Seattle for about a year in 1999 and then um, dragged her butt across the country back to Florida. And then in 2013, we made the plunge and went back to the Pacific Northwest. So let's just keep in mind, that's a lot of miles, Sal. Yeah. I don't do <laughs> what th- is it, about 6,000 miles? Uh, it's about like 35, 3,700. Yeah, man, uh. I, don't, I don't do things easy. <laughs> this flight alone is, you know, five, five and a half hours one way, six, six and a half back. And I've made 10 trips back and forth between Seattle and Florida the last, uh, yeah. shoot, the last four or five years alone because my family's here and what have you. So, All right, awesome. I mean, so that's that's the story. And, and now you're here back in Florida. 
Yeah, I, you know, again, I have a lot of friends here. You know, you're my friend. You know, my mom and dad are still here. You know, um, spread out across different places of the state. You know, a lot of friends and connections and contacts and what have you not. So, you know, I, I come back two to three times a year. Um, so I get on a plane and, yeah, visit you guys. There you go. At least you get to spend some time and. You usually come at the good times. I mean, today's kind of a, a Seattle day, but, you know, <laughs> it's okay. Um, so tell us a little bit about your business um, with the with the floorball. Yeah, so, you know, living out in Seattle, um, I had always known at the time, even though it wasn't official, that they were going to get a professional hockey team, which in 2018, they were granted the Seattle Kraken, which is the 32nd NHL franchise. And uh, if you ever have an opportunity to get out to Seattle, Washington, go to a Seattle Kraken game. Um, the, atmosphere, the atmosphere is amazing. The arena is freaking amazing. Um, they do everything right. But I knew they were getting a team, and I, there wasn't really any hockey out there. They had a hardcore base of fans, um, but there was nobody really doing any programs for kids, especially off the ice. It's a lot different on the East Coast. You got tens of thousands of kids in playing ball hockey out there, and there's ranks all over the place, but it was foreign in the Pacific Northwest. So, what so what's ball hockey? So just to explain to listeners, yeah. like what's ball hockey versus floor hockey? Sure. Or? Sure. Ball hockey is basically ice hockey without the skates, without the ice, and without the heavy equipment, um, and without the body checking. So it's, it's a very fast and competitive sport. Um, we play in a full rink just like you do in ice hockey. Um, very fast, very physical, um, very talented. But it's basically ice hockey without the skates and without the um, without the ice. And keep in mind, like these are ranks. I mean, it's almost like a football field. Not yeah. quite as big, but I mean, it's it's big. Like our son, the first time we took him when he got into um, you know roller hockey. I was like, are they going to cut the the rink in half? I was like, man, that's a lot of skating. They're going to peter out and they're not doing subs like, you know, every 30 seconds. You know, it's they're out there for a couple minutes at a time and they're gassed out. Um, so running, I could only imagine, you know, running. That's that's all stamina and, and muscle at that point. You, you're not gliding or anything like that. No, it's um, not like ice hockey. You, you can't get away with a crappy shift in ball hockey. If you're not running... Your coach knows it. If you're not running, your teammates know it. And you're going to hear it when you get back to the bench. So it is definitely a different animal. And you're right about that rink in Naples. It's a big, big rink. Yeah. Um, regulation size for ball hockey is a little shorter than that. But it's still a lot of running. And it's, yeah, it's it's a grind. It, but it's a fun grind. So you started your um, Emerald City when? So I started Emerald City Floorball in 2019. Okay. Um, ironically, three months before the pandemic, I started doing some drop-in classes and I was reaching out to community pages, just trying to introduce the sports to boys and girls of any age or background. Didn't really matter. And I was getting about 35 kids in an event and I was like, wow, this was a green light that I might be onto something. And then the pandemic hit in that kind of, well, in the PNW area, you know. And yeah, you know, we won't get too much into it, but, um, <laughs> you know, everybody handled the p pandemic differently and, um, the PNW was extremely different, different. And, um, I'll leave it at that because <laughs> we all have different opinions on how everybody does things. But, um, that did shut me down for a good two years. Okay. It really did. And, um, 
it was a really um, frustrating time, but I kept going and doing an occasional event here or there to anybody that would allow me to do it. We had to wear masks, of course, for two years. While and playing so, hockey, yeah. Yeah, while playing hockey. It was a little rough. What's the name? Like, Tell us about the name, Emerald City. What does that mean? Well, uh, I wanted it to encompass the entire Pacific Northwest. So okay. um, Seattle is known as the Emerald City. So that's where I got the word Emerald from. And then I just called it Emerald City Floorball. Um, had people ask me, why don't you call it Seattle City Floorball? And I'm like, well, that doesn't encompass an entire area. And I wanted people to, I, I just wanted to be covering a more broad area in the minds of people and not just have people think it was just in Seattle. Right. So how'd you come up with like the whole idea? Like what was that moment where you're like, this, this could be something, you know, big, you know, to help the youth and the kids and, you know, all those yeah. things. Well, you know, I have a really good friend back in New Jersey. His name is Anthony San Rocco. Um, he's in his early 30s. And um, he started a ball hockey league about four years ago for adults called the National Ball Hockey League. And um, four years later, you have 180 teams around the United States. Um, they have sponsors. It's in tie with USA Ball Hockey. Um, the finals actually get broadcasted on NHL Network. So I actually came out of retirement back in 2020 to play ball hockey for the first time in over 20 years. Wow. And so I played on a team in Seattle called the Seattle Cold Snacks. And we had a division in the Pacific Northwest. So we were competing against other teams in our area and a few teams in Portland. Because you travel. I mean, there's sometimes you're in... This seems like the Northeast. Um, so, yeah. So what happens? Or taking a ferry yeah. somewhere. Well, so Seattle doesn't have many rinks or really any rinks. The only rink what we have in the greater Seattle area is on an island called Bainbridge Island, which is beautiful. But you got to take the ferry over there. So you got to drive to Seattle in the morning, get up at like 4.35 o'clock in the morning, get to the ferry at like 6, jump on the 6.15, 6.20 ferry, and then get out to the island and that's where we would play most of our games. So the little travel in there, and then we play a whole block of games in Portland. So we would have to do weekend trips and play a bunch of games in Portland, sometimes three or four in a weekend. And then when you win your division, you have the right to go to Philadelphia to play in the Nationals. Mm. So that's why you see me in Philadelphia each of the last three um, Septembers playing in the National Bowl Hockey Championships since we had won a division. Okay, awesome. Why, why do you think the area doesn't have more ranks? And I'm almost curious for here as well as why is there not more, you know, you see 400 baseball fields and mm -hmm. or softball fields, which are not necessary. Uh -huh. um, you know, pickleball, they need to definitely add more of that here because it seems like <laughs> that's that's a sport. But it's like, you know, I always think like Jace wanted to play ice hockey and it's all the way in Fort Myers. And yeah, that's not far. But if you're dealing with traffic at four o'clock, actually, we just came home from Blue Ridge. Mm -hmm. It was backed up from Amokley Road to Hertz Arena at three o'clock in the afternoon. Like I'd be like, it, it's impossible, right? So, why do you think some of these towns or cities or states? Why do you think it's not a bigger thing? I just think the concept hasn't reached enough people yet. I, I still, agree. I still think it's really foreign to a lot of people. Oh, hockey and sneakers! What the hell is that? You know, and right. so people don't really know. So there's just not enough awareness out there. It's not like the Northeast where you, again, you have tens. You of go to your local pond and you could yeah. throw a game up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I, I think for like the greater Seattle area, it's still a relatively unknown concept. 
And then same thing in lots of areas of South Florida. It's it's just the concept of hockey and sneakers for adults or kids is relatively unknown. So I think that's the only thing you're really dealing with. You know with. what's crazy? Like, I could even think back to when I was in elementary school and living in Connecticut. And I remember, like, my favorite part of gym was, hey, guys, we're going to play floor hockey, right? And we have those plastic, flimsy red and blue sticks. And uh, that was fun. And, and I know Jace now, even in sixth grade and going through elementary school, they still do that, right? Mm-hmm. So it is a thing as part of the scholastic side of things at school. But when it comes to, I'm trying to remember when Jace was like, I, I want to play floor hockey or roller hockey. And it started with getting, you know, the roller blades and everything else. But man, it went from like nothing that I even knew he was somewhat interested in to like, he's pumped up, you know, like, and, and it, it boggles my mind that this is not a bigger thing than what it could be. Yeah. And it sounds like you have to be the voice to get the word out there and, and to be able to, to grow it. It's a great sport. That's not only good for your, you know, your, your health and phys- physicality, but it's just, you're outside where you are. I mean, you're in the outdoors too. Yeah. Um, your physical health, mental health, um, the game of hockey will teach you so many lessons. And um, so, yeah, you're right. It's just, um, the, the sport will teach you so much. Um, it taught me a lot, even playing in my sneakers for 25 years, um, you know, competing at a high level and learning how to lose, you know, learning how to win. Um, I'll learn- tell you when the kids lose, oh, I never see so many helmets and tears in my life. And of course, I mean, this is like peewee level, you know, yeah. and, and I, the passion, but it does teach them so much. It teaches them the discipline. And, and I think that's a big thing too. It, it teaches you that, you know, comparable to life, that things aren't always going to get, go your way. You're going to lose games. You're going to lose tough games. I was, I've lost championships in overtime traveling on the road that were actually soul crushing. And when I was younger, I didn't know how to handle it either. I would, take the stick and crack it over the <laughs> knee and have tantrums and break it over the boards. And now you can't do it because these sticks are like 200 bucks. Right. You right. Know? So, you, you know, you really can't do that anymore. You know, a parent get pretty pissed off if their kid took a stick and hammered it over the boards because he was frustrated because he had a bad shift. So what's your, like, so you're doing good things. And if, if you guys haven't, you can follow Sal on Facebook and Instagram. How can they find you? Yeah, they can find me actually at Emerald City Floorball on both Facebook and Instagram. So I have a Facebook business page and then I have a page on Instagram. And I always see the pictures where the kids are always happy and excited. Um, So with your program, so how, like, how is it ran? Is it ran after school, weekends, camps? So basically it is, um, for the most part right now, it's an after school enrichment program. So um, I will go into a school after, like I said, like directly after the bell rings and um, I'll do a class roughly from 3.30 to 4.30, like a one hour class. Kids actually have to sign up for it. So I work in conjunction with the schools, directly with the schools, um, mostly with the PTA boards. And so we organize the class, we set up the registration and all that. We do a little bit of marketing. Um, I do a free PE class to market the class to the kids. Oh, cool. And so, um, yeah, I'll go in for like one day and I'll, like during while they're in school. Yeah, during an actual normal school day, I'll actually go in there and do one free PE class. And what we'll do is we'll 
The class will already be set up, so we'll get the kids flyers to take home in their backpacks with the QR code. Mom, Dad, this was incredible. I wanted to apply. Scan the QR code, boom, they sign up. Now, do they play actual games, or is it kind of like scrimmage, learning, teaching, and then maybe that's the next level? Well, I believe the, the thing that kids want to do most and have is play. And so what I do do is I teach them skills. I spend the first half of the class doing skill development, whether it's passing, shooting, um, stick handling. Um, I'll make it a little fun. I'll mix it up. I'll do some relay races. I'll do some target shooting. And then usually the last 25 minutes of the class, I'll break them up into two teams and scrimmage. we'll just scrimmage. They love that. They love it. At the end of Jason's, they're always about to scrimmage and it's like, that's all they're waiting for, you know, as opposed to the drills, but you need the drills and do the practice to get better. So when you do scrimmage, et cetera, that it's, you know, they're developing at the same time. Um, so what's your vision with this, let's just say, over the next five years? You know, um, we've gotten to the point to where I really believe I have a model that's scalable. I really do. Um, I want to give kids a place to go to after these classes. So one of the things I run into right now is they do these incredible classes, right? But is when the session is over, when a six or eight week session is over, they have nowhere to go, right? They mm -hmm. have nowhere else to let that energy burn. So um, I, have, um, I have a partner now and we're starting our first ever kids street hockey league Sweet. Called, called Cascade Street Hockey. This is a program that is in conjunction with the National Hockey League and their NHL street program that they're rolling out all across the country. And then it is also supported by the Seattle Kraken Hockey Club. So we're starting the wow. first ever street hockey league that's going to start somewhere in 2024. Target is April or May. Um, you know, if you ever started a league, it's a ton of work. So we're, we're in a, well, process. if you're starting any business, it's going to work. It really is. It really is. So we're doing all the unfun stuff right now, like insurance and figuring out registration portals, getting websites set up, um, finding places to play, um, which is a big challenge in the Northwest finding space that is consistent. So, so yeah, um, I, I see this sport growing at exponential levels. And if I could grow a program, where I'm in schools and more parks and recreation or boys and girls clubs, the YMCAs and roll out programs with boys and girls of all age, regardless of experience, age, race, background, financial status, what have you, and have them start playing this game. This is a wonderful game. And then take those skills and translate them into a league. I think you'll see the sport grow nationwide, nationwide. I really do. Yeah. I mean, and let's be honest, doing this in Florida, which I think is growing, and if the kids could do it in Florida, they could do it anywhere in this country because Florida has obviously got the worst weather for outdoor sports, right. I think. And that's why probably most of the stadiums are indoors, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's great. And I think for the kids, I mean, they need that. You know, I think sports kept my ass straight, mm -hmm. you know, through growing up and hanging out with the right people versus the bad people. Mm -hmm. And I think doing something like this is really just powerful and instills that, you know, into them and, and teaches them also, you know, the respect and discipline and everything else that they need. Yeah. I, you know, and, and I also just recently started working with ice hockey kids. So, um, while most of the kids I work with are boys and girls with little to no 
hockey playing experience, um, I started um, to push into the ice hockey community, which is a really great skill developer because the reality is these kids can only be on the ice for so long. Um, there's only so much ice available to practice, to play, and what have you not. So they have so much time when they're not on the ice to to burn off some more so energy. So they could transition into floorball. Sure, they can transition to floorball, ball hockey, which is you know basically the same thing, and develop their skills while they're off the ice and play at a highly competitive level. And I've done some classes, and I that watching the ice hockey kids go on it is really, really cool, really special. And um, yeah, it's uh, it helps them. I had a group telling me last week, two weeks ago, rather, that um, they I had them go at it for a good 90 minutes. And they um, said to me after the class, they said, we felt like we came together better as a team and we bonded together better as a team because they were doing stuff off the ice as opposed to just on. That's awesome. That's awesome. And that's huge. And, and I love the vision where it's going. And it's going to take a lot of work to obviously get there. Um, but when it does kick off, I think that's going to be huge. Um, yeah. And you're, you're, you're changing people's lives. That's the biggest thing is you're changing people's lives. And I mean, I'm 38 years old. I still remember my little league coaches. Mm-hmm. I still remember them in Newtown, Connecticut, you mm-hmm. know, and they're still around, you know, that's small town area, but yeah. they taught us so much to have fun. And obviously you're going to get your ups and downs when you lose games and stuff sure. like that. But I think that's great that you're doing and, and, and you got a plan in place to, to grow it. What would you say your biggest obstacle has been, you know, being growing this? Like, what do you think your biggest obstacle has been and maybe has set you back, but you're overcoming it? What, is, what do you think that would be? Um, one, finding space to play. Um, there's only so much space to play. In the Pacific Northwest, uh, weather is not really conducive to playing outdoors for a good seven, eight months out of the year. So you needed like an indoor type situation. Yeah, you know, I, I fight constantly fight for gym space to rent gym space. And um, I'm dealing with that right now with the league as we speak, just trying to find a place that where I can do consistent 10 weeks. But tying into that is that since the sport is so unknown still and foreign to a lot of families and boys and girls, um, I'm dealing with competition from other sports. Mm. So mom and dad, you know, the kid loves the sport, but he's already rolled in basketball. So when basketball season is ends, then they'll play, you know, same thing with soccer. Um, One thing about the Pacific Northwest that a lot of people don't know is that soccer was uncommon 25 years ago. And then the Seattle Sounders came out there, which you wouldn't think would be a hotbed in the Northwest, but soccer is massive over there. It's like the NFL. Yeah. And they were just granted games for the next World Cup in Seattle. At Lumen Field where the Seahawks play. So, wow. So there's so many soccer leagues out there now. Um, and there's, an, there's a, I can plug them. It's all cool. They have a company called Little Kickers where they have kids playing soccer at a really early age, transform them into a more advanced level, and then they go and play in leagues. And that's kind of similar what I see, a similar model where I can get boys and girls starting off with the skill development, going to a little more advanced program and then hopping into a league and playing competitively so do you think the reason why you're not getting gym space because they have basketball and all the other different things going on yes yeah um Mm. there's no hockey rinks for kids to play on and and, um anywhere really really anywhere yeah i mean there's there's nothing you know even ice hockey we don't have a whole lot of rinks i bet you the state of florida probably has what 
less than 10 rinks where it could, where you could go to, right? Well, when I used to live in South Florida, I ran the South Florida Inline Hockey League in Western Florida, and there was three rinks there alone at the... Um, well, that's y- a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, at the YMCA. And that back then was tied in with the Florida Panthers and so with the YMCA. But um, there are definitely more rinks here than there is there. Gotcha. Because, you know, obviously the Lightning have been here since 93, Panthers since 94, so hockey's grown so much over the last 30 years. So there's more access to it here in South Florida than there is in Seattle at the current moment. I bet you if the NFL, ba- or excuse me, the NHL, if the NHL backs this, and you know how the NFL does have a program with the kids and they get to meet the players and stuff like that, I think it will grow exponentially. I think it will. I, 1,000. Even just a little taste, you know? Yeah, um, because when the kids do the class, they absolutely love it. They they want more. They tell mom and dad they want more. You know, when I do a class in a free PE class in a the gym, they literally take that flyer home and... Mommy, daddy, look at you. Yeah, I mean, this I, I'm doing a program in Linwood right now and did a free PE class. We will only do one class. We sold out the class in 24 hours. So we actually had to open up a second class, which is almost near the full capacity as well. So when you when you strike the iron while it's hot, if you will, and you have something set up in place for them to go to, then they want more. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I want to do with the league. Um, so once the kids finish a incredible six, eight-week class at a, at a school, Parks and Rec, hey, here's a league now for you guys to play on. And hopefully we can get a rink out there for them because, like you said, there's a million basketball courts, there's right. a million soccer fields, football fields, um, skate, like hockey's the skate, only thing skate parks, skate and, parks. Like, and uh, you know, there's so much money out there and so many big businesses out there. Um, there's no excuse not to have one, not to have two, not to have three right. out there as community initiatives. And that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Sal, you have a great story. I know it's just kind of getting started. I mean, just like any other business it takes time to, to grow it. And I know this is more than just a business for you. This is your passion. Um, you could see it all, all over. You, you have your hockey stick right here and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I think it's a really great thing and, you know, just keep it going. And, yeah. you know, just like anything else, you're going to have setbacks, but you know what? Yeah. That's just a learning opportunity. Yeah. You know, I just want to give back the childhood that I was afforded on Long Island because I had an incredible childhood playing hockey and I made a ton of friends over the years. Um, people that I'm still friends with to this very day. So um, if I can give that to kids in the Northwest and maybe someday in South Florida and beyond and grow this program and scale it into other states and regions. Yeah. Well, you know, you'll see tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of happy kids playing this sport. And that would definitely be um, my post-playing legacy, if you will, that if I can leave something behind, that would be it. I love it. Love it. Um, Yeah, so if you guys are in the PNW area, right, Um, and I'm sure you might have connections down here or anywhere in the country, um, Sal's a great person to reach out to. This is his biggest passion and he's doing a great job with it. And 
Um, he's a great coach, and I could tell by his skill sets with the the hockey <laughs> stick earlier that um, he could definitely teach the kids and uh, how to get better and all those different things. So it's awesome. So if somebody wanted to get more information, um, why don't you share with everybody the different ways they could contact you? Yeah, basically they can go on either one of my uh, my Facebook page, the Facebook business page. Um, they can send me a direct message there. They can go to my Instagram page, do the same thing there. Or they can basically just contact me at my phone number, which is 425-420-0685. I have parents that text me all the time um, out of the blue asking me more about Yeah, right before we did this, you were getting messages. Yeah, I was getting a few messages. When are you coming home, Sal? Yeah, I I, I have actually have a big event on the 24th when I get back. And, uh, you know, that's a drop-in event. But um, I have people asking me about that event and what have you not. So, yeah, so Facebook, Instagram, basically by my phone number. You know, I answer my text messages all the time. And as you know, being successful in your business, I answer my text messages. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know. And there might be people out there, honestly, they might be kind of, you know, I know I was when I was asking questions about, you know, roller hockey. I'm like, my my son doesn't know anything about hockey except for we play Xbox and he whoops my butt every single time we play, right? So I think that's a great open line of communication. Parents out there, if you have questions or concerns or anything, just reach out to Sal and, you know, you could go look at their um, his page and you could see the different events that they do and stuff like that and get your kids out there. You know, um, being stuck behind the Xbox and stuff like that's, I know it's reality and what world we live in, but even if they could just get some energy and and learn some skill sets and have fun while doing, I think that's a great thing. Yeah. You know, once they get out there, Matt, they forget about their laptop. They forget about their iPad. They really do. Oh yeah. I know. they, They instantaneously forget about all that and they go out there and they play and they kick butt and they have a blast and parents love it because the kids go home. And they're sweating and they're tired. And, and they're petered out. And they're petered out. And mom and dad are like so thrilled that that kid is going to go to bed and fall asleep without any problem whatsoever. Right. Well, so I appreciate you. And again, um, thank you everybody who has watched and listened. Again, this um, episode is sponsored by Emerald City Floorball. And... Um, I look forward to doing more of these. And then I also talked to Sal before this, that we are going to do a follow-up on this in a year from now, mm-hmm. or maybe sooner when you come down mm-hmm. on your progress and yeah. everything. And um, definitely reach out and thank you everybody. If you haven't, make sure you share this episode with your friends, family, and coworkers. Um, get the kids out there, get the kids out there. If they're inspired, whether it's chess, hockey, football, whatever it might be is get them out there because um, it's it's definitely a life-changing experience for everybody um, and they'll never forget it. So everybody, thanks for listening to Beyond the Blueprint. You've been listening to Beyond the Blueprint with Matt. Matt's passion is to talk about breaking the mold and exploring the uncharted territories of mortgages, real estate, faith, marketing, coaching, and so much more. Helping to show you there's always a way forward. Thanks so much for listening to the show. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, you can find us on YouTube and Facebook and on all the major podcast channels at Beyond the Blueprint. See you next time.